You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Brighton Rock, a podcast bringing you all the latest news and updates about Brighton Hove Albion. Today I am joined by Russell Guyver as usual. Hi Russ. Hey, hello. And, and we, also, we also see the return of the gent, Raymond Wright. Welcome back, Raymond. Hi, Peter. Good to talk to you and, and, and to Russ. Thanks very much. Good to have you back on the show. So uh, tonight Thanks we're going to start off, I suppose, where we, with last night's game, as we we're talking on Tuesday night. Any, anyone got any uh, exciting thoughts on that? Well, we were trying to remember <laughs> what, when the match was and earlier today, and Russell was phoning around and suddenly realised, remembered it was actually last night. Obviously, hugely memorable, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember which day it was, and it was less than 24 hours ago, yeah. But not, not a great sign, is it? Um, and also, Return of the Gents sounds like um, an interesting TV series or something. <laughs> we should write the script it's to that. Very, very similar um, to Return of the Mac, but different. <laughs> um, yeah, the game. I mean, I don't know, Raymond. Do you want to go first? Because I'm struggling to think of anything to say. Uh, I, mean, I, I, th- I thought we played quite well in the first half, um, you know, but there was no intensity there, no, no pace. It was all a bit too measured and slow. Um, and Newcastle, you know, sort of hadn't woken up the first half. I thought Newcastle improved after about the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half. And we seemed to be less effective once we started making substitutions. But mm. I, don't, I think neither team wanted to get sustained injuries or anything, although there could have been a couple. Um, the, the more pay craft clash, for example. Um, but generally, I think you know, neither side cared too much. And I think they were both happy with the nil-all draw. So, it's boring. Yeah, yeah, boring draw. It's a classic case of a boring draw, that one, wasn't it? Um, not much more to add to that. I mean, in the first half, I think we had, at one point, I'd worked out, they gave a caption saying, last 10 minutes, 82%. And I noticed we had a lot of possession immediately after. So, we probably ended up having... At some point, for a solid sequence of that first half, something like 85, 86% possession. Um, didn't do a great deal with it. I just felt it was a bit toothless. 
It was a bit, was sort of just lethargic, wasn't it? Really, it really had that that post-season, uh, when when everything's settled, at least post-season sort of um, feel to it, or a pre-season friendly. It just felt like that. Um, being in the summer as well, of course, it feels even more like that. And um, yeah, it, it was. Um, it lacked spike and it lacked any spark. I think that game for me. Um, two or three moments aside, a couple of bits where Trossard looked quite lively, couldn't quite keep a shot down. Um, the, the one way he sort of just sided that with his right foot, I think he could have he could have possibly dummied that and cut in and had a shot with his left foot from a wider position. Maybe might have been better than trying to slice that one in when he was, it was always going to go over. Um, not much else besides was there really shots. I think we had more corners, we had um, more attacking play, but there wasn't a great deal to it. What, what did you think, Peter? I think, yeah, I think that's about right, sums it up. I mean, the the best shot we had was that Webster one from distance, um, which the keeper mm. tipped over, um, yeah. which when you're relying on your tender half to shoot from 25 yards to try and get something, you're probably going to struggle. I mean, we should have lost, really. I mean, Carroll should have scored near the end. We were quite lucky mm. to get away with that, and then we'd have been just you know, just a little bit nervous. Although, yeah. yeah, now now we know the Watford result. We're pretty sure we wouldn't have gone below them, given their goal difference now. But <laughs> yeah, I thought actually one of our best moves was the one where Morphe was he brought down in the penalty area, but actually didn't try to appeal the penalty. He just got on and played the ball and got the ball in. And Trossard did a good shot, which was on target, and a good save by their goalkeeper. Um, yeah, it's slightly irritated that where people don't appeal, as in that instance, and just keep tr- trying to play, that they don't pick up the penalty. And then if you do you know, go down and stay down, you have a 30% chance of getting booked. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree. As, which is where I think the referees are to blame largely for, or as much for players diving as players are, because if you don't give a free kick if someone doesn't go down, there was one, there was one at Palace away with Montoya stayed on his feet enough to take a shot, but Absolutely. was clearly impeded by a Palace player. We should have had a penalty after it was, was saved. And yeah. if, if between a referee and VAR, they can't spot that. It's like, I mean, I didn't particularly think yeah. Mope was last night. I, th- I thought there was less of a penalty on that one. But the, Mo- the Montoya one at Palace, that was definite penalty. And yeah, it was not given. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, there's definitely a thing, isn't there, about um, not going down. Um, it do- doesn't help. Um, if you if you do go down, um, oh, sorry, if you don't go down, but um, I, I was not completely convinced that would have been a penalty. It definitely, I agree with Raymond though. If he had have gone over, there's maybe a little bit more of a leaning toward inclination towards uh, giving it. Though. Go on, Raymond, you've got to say. Sorry, I, I was going to just say that I, I, with VAR being there, if if you have any sort of thoughts in your mind, even if you only think it's you know, a one in four chance, why not? Hmm. Do it because VAR's going to re- review it. And if you've got the decision wrong, it's going to be overturned. So there's absolutely mm. no reason not to be positive about the potential penalty. I, I, I can't see the logic in not doing it. It's a bit like in cricket when you have the chance to review a decision and you've got lots up your sleeve. Why don't you review the decision? Um, mm. So I would have thought it's a no-brainer for a ref or something like that. Or the Montoya case not to say, right, I think it's a penalty, and get VAR to check it. Use the technology sensibly. Hmm. Um, what about in individual performances or any, anything else that stood out for either of you from the game itself? I thought defensively um, was solid enough. We did okay. No real 
no real scares except that one at the end. I think it wasn't any. Newcastle were very, very um, defensive, weren't they? I mean, they they set up with about fifteen at the back, and um, they didn't really. There was a bit of a Chris Hewson, wasn't it? Newcastle, part of the bus. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was to a degree. We seem to have lost Russell slightly, um, so we'll hopefully get him back in a minute. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. If he can hear while he gets unfrozen um, from his position, it's interesting. He's holding the position for an amazingly still for a long time. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, I thought one of the things that occurred to me during the game was that uh, Lamptey and Bissouma actually uh, seem to play better when there's more pace in the game. And when it's that slow, both of them were trying to inject pace but the whole tempo is so slow, it's quite difficult to do so. Yeah, and, when, and of think, course, when teams sit deep as well, it's quite difficult when you're, a, um, when you're, when you're, you know, kind of trying to attack with pace. I suppose, isn't it? Because if you don't, you're better off with teams coming forward, coming attacking at you, and you're going running in behind. Um, yeah, so we only saw, saw probably a couple of moments of Lamptey, one defensively where he went back, and and one attack. But there were a couple of times when Lamptey was receiving the ball. And he couldn't run forward. The ball wasn't moved to him fast enough. So he didn't try and beat the player on the outside. Whereas if he'd got the ball moving forward, he probably could have beaten them and got the ball across uh, into the penalty area. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I agree. I'm, I'm back. I was sin-bin for a while there by the, uh, by the Wi-Fi connection, I think. Um, but I'm back in the game. <laughs> and on a, <laughs> on an interesting saying. note, the uh, Villa are winning and currently out the relegation zone. They are one oh, up right. against Arsenal. Just, just scored five minutes ago. Oh. Yeah, I really want them to go down. Hit. So it would be disappointing if they end up not doing a Fulham. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been bad enough with Leeds coming up. With, um, with them not coming down, uh, that would have been even more disappointing. We'll see. Battle of the Egos. See you as the most arrogant yeah. fans. Well, uh, I was saying to Russell earlier today that their manager was quoted in the Telegraph yesterday as saying if they do stay up, they'll spend a, another whole load of money. Um, so I'm uh, just wondering if they're one or two players that they bought that they might offload cheaply like Samata. So we, if we need a couple of strikers... I, d- so I d- don't think we should go anywhere near Samata. He's been useless for them. Yeah, He's done nothing. I agree. Scored one he goal like he might have been a good but he's been terrible. <laughs> yeah. But if he's useless for them, would he be useless for us? I think so. I think he's just pretty useless. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I mean, yeah, he looked pretty lumbering not, and not, not particularly. The, not as the front line striker we bring in, but just to have somebody else in the squad. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't really think. I'm, I, I wouldn't want anyone from Villa particularly. Grealish, I know mm. what people would say, but to be honest, I don't think he'd fit with the ethos of Albion. And Mings would be about yeah. a fifth choice centre half at Albion, I think. I still don't understand how he's in the England squad. It's bizarre. Uh, what about McGinn? Yeah, McGinn's a decent player, but again, he's not been in great form since um, since mm. post lockdown. And I, I don't know, I'm not sure he'd what he'd add to the, if we were going to play Basuma and Alzate, which I hope we do, or proper even. I'm not even sure he's as good as proper. So hmm. that's my personal well, opinion. Speaking of who you play in midfield, I mean, one of the problems with the Newcastle game, I mean, firstly, they set up very defensively. It's the very definition of this week's cliche of the week, parking the bus. I think they pretty much did that. 
Um, but also, <laughs> aside from that, um, I think we, we, did the, we, we did the thing that we keep doing, which is kind of annoying the fan base. We played Moy and Gross, the two slowest midfielders. Um, it doesn't seem to work when we play them together. I think it was also the case in this match. I thought Moy was Gross and Moy. Gross and Moy, yeah. So Moy wasn't particularly effective. You know, he was busy and whatever. He linked in, but he wasn't really doing anything in particular. Gross, I think, with his distribution, he had a lot of corners in that game. We won quite a few in the first half. Didn't really do much with it. And in general, didn't really threaten. And... That shot, I mean, I thought that was a bit of a naive slice of the ball there when he had that chance to possibly poke it in the corner. You have to place, uh, effectively do the, the other cliche, passing it into the net um, for something like that. He's never going to go in when he hits it in that technique. So I thought he had an off day. Um, by his yeah, I, I, I wonder if Grosh, maybe not this summer, but in the future, maybe one of the victims of... Um... Of a date of Graham Potter regime because I'm not convinced that he totally fits. The one one game I will turn around from it. And I only remember it because I remember thinking it was an. In, it was the first time they tried it. The Grosh and Moy playing out out wide was that Tottenham home game where we won three nil. And I remember thinking mm. that's a bit odd. They're playing effectively four central midfielders and playing out them out wide seemed to work really well. And they actually they dominated Spurs obviously and were brilliant. Obviously that's not happened so much since. Did Gross effectively play kind of like a, a bit of like a David Beckham sort of scenario? There, yeah. Where he play crosses in from deep? I can't quite remember. Yeah, well, his, his cross for the um, first goal, wasn't I think, wasn't it? Although not a particularly good one. Mm -hmm. He curled it in and then um, oh, obviously yes. Lloris dropped it. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, I agree with you. I think generally they don't have enough pace with those two both playing. I think it doesn't and really do bring the best out of either of them as well. So. And it's more and more, I think... Maybe it's more and more about pace, incision, quick, quick movement, quick passing, getting things done quickly. We're talking about Stephen Alzate on the last podcast, getting the ball forward with positivity and purpose, um, but also having the players having pace to to work around those elements as well. I mean, it really is about that in the Premier League now more than ever. Uh, would you agree with that, Raymond? I think I think pace is is necessary, and you know. I mean, Byrne hasn't got pace. I mean, he's, mm. when he gets into his stride after about 25 yards, he's actually travelling mm. quite quickly. But with his long legs, it takes him about 25 yards to sort of get going. Um, Stevens mm. hasn't got any pace. Um, yeah. you know, Dunk's OK and, and Webster, I guess, is OK. But, you know, there is generally a lack of pace. And I think Peter's point he's made in the past about having a, a proper left back who can add pace down that flank um, makes a difference. I think, you know, whoever we buy or whatever we buy, we need pace. Hmm. Yeah. And you've mentioned uh, left wing backs. So that brings us neatly on to the subject of a player that we've been linked with. You, I think you mentioned to me today, Raymond, and a friend of mine who's an Arsenal fan, it's Ade, who came on uh, the Arsenal preview pod, actually. Um, he mentioned that um, we're apparently after making Niles. Um, on, in what context, I'm not sure. But Raymond, you've read up about that, I think, haven't you? Well, yeah. what's the word it, on that? It, the story has apparently broken in the Evening Standard, and there's quite a bit of uh, coverage for other people picking it up. But you know, that we're supposedly interested in Maitland Niles. And what's happened is uh, quite a few Arsenal fans are now jumping on the bandwagon and saying, yes, really good. Perhaps we can do a player exchange plus cash deal. You know, let Brighton have Maitland Niles. Uh, we give them cash, and, and we get Dunk. So, uh, 
That's very correct. You know, they're saying, you know, Dunk's a really good player, just the sort of centre half we need. Um, so perhaps we can tempt. Before we go, I have seen that they also like said as being a not true in certain sources to make the Niles link. And the interesting thing is he's not. He wants to play from what I've read, central midfield, and that's why he wants to move on from Arsenal allegedly. That he wants to play central midfield and not full back, and that sort of thing. So he wants to play. He can play all over. But I agree on the face of it. It, it potentially it looks a good Potter signing, but I, I don't see Dunk going anywhere. I don't think Arsenal will offer the money that we want for Dunk. Um, they don't spend that big money on defenders. They tend to just get by with David Luiz and and shock Dan Mustafa. And Mustafa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I but think they, they do money on a central defender, don't they? Probably. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of defenders, what players in general? I was going to mention actually that um, Dale Stevens. I thought had quite a good game against Newcastle. He's come in for a lot of criticism recently, but I thought he was fairly solid in this one. But Adam Webster, I mean, he's looking more and more accomplished, isn't he? I think he's really settling into his stride for me. He still obviously yeah. could be prone to a mistake or two, but he's, he's looking more and more at home um, and comfortable in the Premier League shoes that he's wearing now. Would you say so, Peter? Yeah, I agree completely. He's making, especially making more crucial tackles and late tackles. He made one late, like, really kind of good late challenge, obviously, on Aubameyang against Arsenal and then Against the Lampsley, made one and also a massive block as well. So he's, yeah. yeah, he's becoming much more the kind of, yeah, the kind of solid defender that we were hoping for, as well as the player who can pass out the back. Yeah, and I and think if he could do more of those shots like the one he had against Newcastle. I mean, yeah, Goldie should save that, but nonetheless, it, you know, decent effort. I think. I think the thing mm. is, we're going to have to lose a centre half minimum this summer. And um, if we want to bring another central midfielder in, I think we have to lose one of them as well. I don't think we can justify mm. having a new signing plus Stevens, Moy, Proper, Alzate, yeah. Bissouma, and then also all the youngsters coming through like Malumbi and um, Baluta yeah, yeah. and that sort of, and Sanders and that sort of thing. So I don't think we and can it, justify bringing another central midfielder in if we don't let someone go. And although he played yeah. well last night, I think Stevens probably is the obvious. Mm. Unless someone like yeah. Ajax comes in for Proper again, that's the other mm. option. And we think Bissouma and Alzate will be good enough. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying with Webster. Was it against Southampton? But one of the recent matches, I mean, it might even be Liverpool. I mean, uh, Webster did one particularly good tackle. I mean, he'd done two or three in the box, sort of a la Mark Lawrenson type of thing. Mm-hmm. And certainly since the lockdown, other than the Man City game, Webster has looked a, a much better proposition. Uh, you know, the player that Potter... I think was hoping to sign. Um, so I think from that viewpoint, um, you know, I think he's, he's worthwhile. It's, it's where do they fit Ben White in when he comes back? Uh, I think going to be interesting. And uh, yeah. proper, I think in contrast to Webster, I think has been very disappointing since the lockdown. Hmm. Yeah, he has actually. Yeah, he's been had a good season overall, but yeah, since restart, it hasn't been so good for him. Um, in terms of Webster, I think he could add the other element to his game is he can score as well. He scored again. Was it Villa? I can't remember. He scored at Villa. He scored yeah. apparently. He's all three. He's got three away goals at Villa, at Arsenal, and Tottenham. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he's you know he's able to get amongst the goals, which is a handy extra yeah. attribute to add to the equation. Um, yeah. 
good prospect looking forwards. Which um, actually links back to what you were saying earlier about the set piece delivery last night. And they, it's something that we were quite strong at before lockdown. We were scoring mm. quite a few from set pieces. I think there was a point where about five of our goals in a row were from set pieces or something. And we've only the only set piece we've scored from since lockdown, that I can remember, is the short corner that led to our first goal against Arsenal. I think it's a guy at Brentford. Potter seems to be obsessed with having four guys standing in a line. Hmm. Yes, the love train. Yeah, you're not a fan of that, are you, Raymond? You seem to think it's well, not variable tactics, I think, is the criticism, isn't it? Well, I, I just think, you know, I always have it as one of your, you know, your choices, but not almost doing it religiously every time there's a, um, a sort of corner or, or something that's that further down the pitch where you're trying to get a centre in. In fact, um, they don't yeah, always I mean, aim for the same person, do they? It's like... There are different variants of that. They just start off the same place. It's not like the ball always goes exactly in the same position. Yeah. Having said that, we haven't scored many goals from no. the ball, haven't we? Whereas, yeah, whereas I think we were before lockdown, so it's funny, isn't it? I mean, we scored, mm. I think uh, Dunk, oh, Dunk had three, but although one there was actually a free kick himself. And Webster had three, and mm. Duffy had one or two. And so, you know, if, and, and I think at least a couple, I think Malpace, one at United, for example, was a free kick. So we have scored quite a lot mm. from set pieces this season, just not since lockdown. No, but I think that, you know, in, in doing that tactic, even though it has variations, I acknowledge, I think in fooling the opposition, we're certainly fooling our, ourselves because the ball isn't necessarily going to a Brighton player. And uh, you know, I don't know what communication they have in terms of uh, you know, which you know, variation they're going to do. Is it going to be A, B, C, D, E or F? So they must presumably have some way of signalling it between them as to who it's yeah. going to go to. But it hasn't, I mean, whether it's been McAllister, whether it's been Moy, whether it's been Gross, uh, Trossard even, or, or on March, uh, on one or two occasions, we haven't actually been as accurate with our free kicks. Hmm. Another thing we weren't very accurate with, going back to the Southampton game, I think our pass completion rate was quite low. Um, the other thing that was interesting with Southampton, I've read something recently that they've struggled against direct footy and, well, we've adopted something towards that when we played them, haven't we? We were more direct than we had been. It did seem to mean the sacrifice of our past completion rate, um, but it did create some degree of um, effective play. In terms of the Newcastle game, um, in comparison, how do you think we did tactically? It felt as if we were setting up... Um, to try and get the win, but ultimately to be happy with the draw. It didn't seem particularly adventurous. And compared with the Newcastle side, who seemed very cagey, considering there was nothing to play for. I think what we also... Make the... I think in also, we, in fairness, we just struggle to break down teams like that. It, it mm -hmm. is, you know, that's where we're going to have to find people this summer, at least probably two new players in attack, to try and break down teams like that. And that's where, if, if you know, if the rumours are true about Adam Lallana, that's where maybe he could, even if he's only off the bench for half an hour sometimes, you know, and he might have the nous to kind of break a team down in that sort of situation when they're sitting deep and they're kind of, you need a lovely, you know, for a perfect through ball or something like that. And, and he's the sort of player maybe who could actually breach that fence, even if he's not doing it for 90 minutes a game. He's the one who kind of comes on maybe when defence are a bit tired and he can play the, the killer through ball to try and to get someone in. Yeah. It might be easier breaking people down in the last half hour when we're back down to three subs. So at the moment, with virtually half a team coming on, you can actually keep your, 
the, the players on the pitch quite fresh. And I think that makes it harder, and therefore there's less space later on in the game than there perhaps would be normally. Hmm. Or, or indeed, if you're holding back your subs, so later in the game, suddenly, so after the hour mark, space begins to appear. So I think the five subs does have uh, an impact. And I think Potter has actually used the subs pretty intelligently, but often better than the opposition. The fact we picked up nine points in eight games since lockdown, you know, is, I think, uh, proof of that. And given that we were uh, played off the park in three of those games, it, it basically means that we picked up eight points from the other five. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, with, with the Newcastle game, just having a look at the stats overall, we had 63% possession. I think that's um, a lot more than we had in most of the games since restart. Um, so interesting how things are swinging around. I wonder um, if they partly set up like that because they'd seen we'd been maybe more effective since lockdown with less possession at times against teams like yeah. Arsenal and, you know, kind of Southampton in the first half. And they thought, well, we'll give them the ball and see what they can do with it. But it was very yeah, similar yeah. up there as well. We had all the possession and didn't, in the end, Newcastle probably, barring the one from Connolly off the line, had the better chances, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Well, I'm... Um, just finally on the on the match then, I don't know if any of you guys, either of you guys have any further comments, but I mean, my only other observations of the game I was going to make was, firstly, I thought Simon Hooper was pretty bad. He's usually pretty dreadful. Got quite a few things wrong, particularly to do with yellow cards. I think he got the proportional proportionality of decisions wrong. You know, he gave more weight to certain fouls that didn't deserve it. I didn't think Basuma needed to be put there, for no. example. Um, he made a lot of decisions wrong. I think he broke the flow a bit more than he needed to. He's usually poor, and I thought he's, he all, was he's always quite fussy, isn't he? And kind of yeah, fussy ref. Yeah, that's right. The other point I was going to make was I thought it was quite amusing because I've recently been listening, or rather watching the games with without the um, the stadium fake noise in the background. I've been listening to it pure, as it were, and uh, it was quite amusing last night to listen to Matt Ritchie, who's very verbal, isn't he? And he said something like, can't believe you've given that, you wee dick or something, <laughs> to, to the linesman, which A, didn't get the yellow card, he could have had, um, but B, I thought was rather amusing, because he plays for Scotland, but I think he's a Portsmouth lad, so to use the expression wee was quite interesting um, there. But it, the, the lockdown, oh, sorry, the, um, the, the behind closed doors has been... Uh, Interesting, hasn't it? A little yeah. bit. <laughs> um, and, and obviously, the prospect that the first few rounds will be behind closed doors when we restart. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Well, quick, quick word about Burnley. We've come towards the end of the season at last. On Sunday, four o'clock kickoff, uh, the final Premier League. It's taken almost a year. It's, yeah, exactly. It's been a very long season, literally. Um, and finally, it comes to an end this weekend. So it looks like we're steering our way successfully to conclusion after all, uh, after so many doubts and so much confusion about what was going to happen. Um, we've got a record of usually drawing, from what I remember, without looking at the, at the stats um, at Burnley. Um, I, I mean, other results have gone according to recent patterns, drawing with Newcastle and Saints. Um, I probably am inclined to predict a draw in this game again. I got the Saints result exactly right. I got Newcastle wrong. I said 3-1. I'm going to go back to a one-all draw with the Burnley game. Um, it's, it's a nothing match now, obviously, um, in terms of things riding on it other than arguably positions. And there's a little bit of money to be made from 
managing to get back above West Ham if we can. Um, but there's not much else to say for the Burnley game, is there? Other than it'll be interesting to see what team he puts out. I hope yeah, he, that's the key. Who, who, which, what team he puts out and what team Burnley yeah. put out. And... I mean, I personally would give Lamptey as much time as he can, so get him on again. Get, get McAllister on again and get Connolly on again, I'd say, given all things considered. Yeah, Raymond. I, I was just going to say that um, if you ignore the, the, the three games that... Uh, uh, where we got played off the park during which we scored just the one goal. Um, we, in the other five games, we've only scored the four goals, picked up, picked up the points, but uh, yeah. we've had uh, two clean sheets, or three clean sheets out of those five. Um, hmm. So we're not exactly scoring hundreds of goals. So my sort of inclination is that it's our defence that's been winning us the points, other than the you know, the last half hour against Arsenal, um, mm-hmm. so uh, I I wouldn't be su- if we got a draw I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't a, a, another nil all, um, mm. so but perhaps yeah. Yeah. Would experiment and give people like Cochrane an outing and uh, as you say McAllister playing more centrally I think I think he needs to you know be playing more as a conventional number ten. Uh, yeah. Rather than as a secondary striker, um, yeah, and let's play around with it. Let's 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 use this game. It's a competitive match. Let's use it as well as we can. Very briefly on Burnley game, Peter, have you got a prediction for the match? Yeah, I think it largely depends on teams. It's one of those things that yeah, could be both yeah. teams have got no pressure on them, and it turns out to be a three-all draw. Although I think probably mm-hmm. more likely it'll be a one-nil win either way or a nil-nil draw, probably. Given yeah. if I had to predict being uh, slightly pessimistic, I probably at the moment, well, not pessimistic, but kind of on the, not, we haven't had a great run the last few games. You know, we should have lost to Lambton, yeah. we probably could have lost to Newcastle, I'd say 1 0 Burnley. Yeah. Well, final point on this podcast is to talk about the fact that, well, we started this uh, beginning of Jan and uh, we're coming to the end of our first season, albeit it's a half season in podcast terms. Um, but it is a full season in terms of the Albion, and we want to rate our players and see who we come up with for player of the season. The club have launched their votes campaign for our player of the season. I know who I'm going to go for. Um, I'll ask you guys in a second. But before I do, if any of our listeners want to um, email in to brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at brightonrockpod.com, and give us your top choice for player of the season, your one choice for player of the season. You can have notes and comments about other players as well, but give us one choice. We'll add it to a vote, which we will give um, at the end of the season in one of our post-match, post-season um, episodes. We want to just get as many views as possible, and we'll do a voting system, just one per person, and see what we come up with. I think I'm going to go for Lewis Dunk, and um, Peter, who are you yeah, going for? Lewis Dunk, no question. Lewis he des- well. he deserved to win it previous years at times and not quite won it. But yeah, stand out this year, definitely. Yeah. And Raymond, I mean, what are you thinking? Who are well, I um, feel that there are two players that catch the eye. Um, one of whom is Matt Ryan, with the exception of the Man City game. And, yeah. um, and I think the other is Dunk. And I think... But his sheer consistency and leadership, uh, particularly post-lockdown, I'd probably give it to uh, Lewis. Uh, you know, I'd give him a nod. 
Yeah. Excellent. But yeah. very much would be Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think the feeling is quite strong, isn't it, for Lewis this year? I think part of it is the fact that he's missed out until now, which seems bizarre. But there have been reasons year by year where that's understandable. Yeah, um, I mean, he probably should have. He probably could easily have won it last year, but Duffy was so good. Yeah, he could easily have won yeah. it the first year, but Pascal Gross was so good. So it's like that's it's right. always been someone who who has just pipped him. But yeah, I think yeah. this year he's a standout I, I definitely. Feel, I, I feel bad for him that he hasn't won it yet, and I'm certainly that will add fuel to uh, to my fire in terms of uh, voting for him. I think it's not one of those things like the Oscars where people win uh, the the Oscar for the least. <laughs> creditable of the, uh, of the of the plausible films that they get nominated for um, I think it's something where he does still deserve it and I hope he yeah. will get it but by all means I don't want to cloud anybody else's views so please give us your votes uh, on Twitter or email as, as described just before and uh, we'll see what we come up with and we'll announce that sometime at the end of the season just to let you know we will continue podcasts through the closed season as well and um, Peter we're going to do our next one subject to confirmation from the Gladstone Yes, we're going to be back in the park. Actually we're returning to, to a, 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 yes. a, a, a face-to-face, be, being in the same yeah, room. Might, exactly, I know, it's going to be a bit disorientating, isn't it? Right? <laughs> Not I'm sure see, I, can I won't be able to see my own face while doing the podcast, like <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be just uh, for one time only for now, because obviously we, we, we're going to do it during the daytime when it's not going to be busy and we can travel off peak and everything, and um, you happen to be free. Uh, from work that day so that's good but um we'll hopefully have other ones from there later on we'll be doing as i said podcasts through the uh, close season as well so stay tuned throughout we've got some other special features including some sussex non-league stuff that i'm hoping to get sorted out so stay tuned for all of that in the meantime we're wrapping up for now so thank you once again to peter as always Cheers. Uh, good to have you aboard. and raymond the gent it's always a pleasure sir have you enjoyed it thank you very much and uh, the final note, the two highlights for the season for me, uh, if I can mention them pretty briefly, uh, to head goal and Ryan's save at uh, Southampton. Absolutely. Good way to end. <laughs> Fantastic. OK, thanks, guys. Stand all full. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.